0: Good morning. Thank you for that song. Tremendous song of triumph. In the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb. You know, it seems like this morning we've had kind of a battleground theme with our thoughts and our Sunday school lesson the armor of God. Wars and rumors of wars going on in the land, and our minds go to the strength and power of God that we need for whatever we face now and in the future. It's very nice to see once again the gathering together of the people of God, the household of faith. And I like where Psalms 133 says, For there the Lord hath commanded the blessing. If God could do that for his Old Testament saints, under the Old Covenant and the Old Procedures, how much more the blood-bought saints of the New Testament, the Church of Christ, the apple of his eye, that he doth command the blessing, that he gives us life evermore. I hope and trust that's your experience with God. This morning I speak grace and peace to each of you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do we fully appreciate the blessings we have? in Christ and God and meeting together even so much more as the day approaches. It is God that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, into the kingdom of his dear son. It is God who has given us richly all things to enjoy. It is God who has begotten us again into a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I trust you are walking today in the prospect of that lively hope, the joy of the Lord, and the power of the resurrection in your life on a daily basis. Psalms 104, I would draw your attention to verses. 24 and 25. O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. I'd like to think a little bit about those two words, innumerable. And the word manifold, that word means many, diverse, a variety, um, just many forms and features. And that's God's creation. We see that in the things He has made. Recently I had uh, a book that was laying around the house, I, I looked at this and it was a nice um, child's book, that had the the um, animals that they believe are becoming extinct or are, and there was just a lot of strange animals in that book that I had never seen, and just a lot of peculiar things in God's creation, we talked today about, in our Sunday school a little bit about exploring the ocean. And incidentally that's what this verse is speaking of. So is this great and wide sea. Where all these creatures now to understand the very small percentage of the ocean is actually explored or discovered to the extent that they really feel like they know what what it is is in the um <coughs> In the depths of the ocean, for obvious reasons, it, it's hard to study something when it's miles deep. But I think it was a figure like maybe 5% of the ocean is actually mapped out or discovered. I understand the the surface of the planet Mars is actually, we know more about that than we do the seas and the oceans. This world's a big place. It's a diverse place. You have the different kingdoms of animal life, plant life, rocks and minerals. You have birds of the air, fish of the sea. And we can study these things. We can take a very focused part of God's creation and study on it to where We even spend our whole lives on one thing and not really exhaust what there is to know. And the world sees the same thing about the the creation. And they begin to draw false narratives and they start to draw some conclusions about the origins of life, about the purpose of life. And they go down the wrong road. They might even begin to worship creation. We know that happens. Now the Bible says that because of the creation that man is without excuse. What does that mean, that they are without excuse? I believe it it means that because of the creation and and the created world and the wonder that is in it, that man has a certain obligation in the sight of God to turn to God, to seek and pursue God, the true God. But let's think a little more about the diversity of the world. And you could spend a long time talking about different things that are fascinating. We all have our interests And that's not even getting into astronomy in the microscopic world. And apply that to the word of God. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That the thought or the truth contained there is that the visible world was created by the invisible world, or you could say the supernatural world. And would that not then lead you to believe that from what we see in the visible world, that very likely the supernatural world is much more complex, diverse, amazing, whatever word you want to put in there. I think that's a safe assumption (laughs) to make. The worlds are framed by the word of God. So that made me think, What do we call our Bible? We call it the word of God. The same, and to think then the same power, the same creator that made all these things also gave us his word. So my suggestion would be that the Word of God is very much like the creation. It, it's very diverse. There's much there that meets the eye that we don't see unless we do more in-depth um, a study concerning the things of God. And we benefit from the surface knowledge of the Word. It has many things that a child can understand. And yet, what about the deeper things of the word of God? And that was a challenge to me because I believe there is a lot in God's word that maybe we don't see at first glance that is worth taking the time to study, much like a, a scientist takes his microscope and begins to study and become amazed at what he sees. Or the astronomer in the same way he builds tools so that he can better engage himself in the in his field of study now many people have given their time and effort and talents to studying the word of god my mother was an example of that she was a avid Bible scholar, and I found a Bible reading chart that she had left in one of her old Bibles recently, and somehow she used this for three years, the same study Bible. She just made a little different mark in the blocks to indicate a new year. I don't know why you would have to do that, said maybe she got attached to this particular Bible reading chart. This was back in 08. But she, read, she wrote some things on the back here that um, I guess she thought would interest somebody if they ever found it. But her testimony was she read the Bible through every year since 1999. I've read it through many times before that, but did not keep a record. I have learned many new things every time. It never grows boring, only more fascinating." Now I'm, I'm sure she's not the only one that would have that testimony. I hope that's each of us have that testimony. Romans eleven thirty three. 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Ephesians 3.8, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That was Paul's testimony. What do you suppose that word unsearchable mean? What would that convey to you? well something that is beyond human capacity beyond our human intellect something we can never fully fathom or discover i believe and it doesn't mean we don't try it doesn't mean that all well, we saids unsearchable so we just give up and that's not how it is in nature the challenge is not the reason to give up but actually the challenge is what motivates a lot of people in what they are endeavoring to do so i believe it can be that way with the word of god let's go to 1 peter chapter 1 verses 10 and 12 by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. I'm not sure what all that's saying about the angels there. I used to think, well, this is something that they can't figure out. But we can, we know all about it. But I don't know if that's the, the right way to look at it. If the angels desire to look into the things of God and the salvation and so on of which it speaks, how much more should we desire that about ourselves, I think is the challenge that speaks to me. Romans 15 verse 4, I'd like to use this for my text verse today. Romans 15, verse 4. And hopefully some of that was able to whet your appetite toward the word of God. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I'd like to title this message, The Comfort of the Scriptures. Who among us today in our day could not use a little more comfort, a little more assurance from God, especially when there are storm clouds on the horizon? You know, one of the jobs of a parent is to provide comfort for your children. That's a reoccurring thing. And we enjoy doing that. I believe God does the same. The comfort of the scriptures. Psalm 23, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The things of God should bring us comfort. God wants us to be Comfortable, I guess you could say it that way. Now, that doesn't mean we overindulge ourselves or that we're intemperate or that we pursue a lazy life of ease or gluttony. That's not what that is. We, we recognize that as far as our children are concerned as well. But the children of God need the comfort of God. Why is this? Well, I'll give you some reasons why. 2 Timothy, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Maybe I should turn to that. 2 Timothy 3, verse 11. persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now that doesn't mean we become despairing or or critical of the things God has called us to face. In fact, God told the Apostle Paul when he called him, he sent a messenger to Paul to to tell him what great things he must suffer for the sake of Christ. We just just have this thing that sometimes we go through suffering because of our faith, because of following Christ. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. Tribulation. John 16:33 but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't leave us comfortless with those words. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. The afflictions we face there's always a remedy there's always hope there's always an escape in the sight of God if we're if we're in Christ he will deliver us so if Jesus said I have overcome the world what does that tell us in our own spirits would that not say to us that we can overcome as well We can do the same thing. As he is in this world, so are we. Is what, so are we in this life, I believe is how it says. Revelation says they overcame by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives, even unto the death. Even unto the death. We might see some things in our lifetime that would bring that kind of fear to our lives, would you suppose? Do we have the armor of God to deliver us, to stand against those things as we spoke about already today? Psalms 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, the Lord delivereth him out of them all. The word of God is a comfort. It always brings us back to hope. We don't have to go around with a long face or a martyr complex because of the things we face. Proverbs 24, 6, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Isn't that an amazing thing? The possibility of failure and even the reality of failure on our part is not cause to lose hope or to give up in the sight of God. Going back to Romans 15, verse 4, I see a number of things in this verse that we could relate to as far as how the comfort comes to us. And one is the aspect of learning. It tells us that. These things were written aforetime for our learning. You know, it's a pretty simple understanding that if we learn about something, if we know about it, we indeed become more comfortable with what we're doing. <clears throat> That could even apply to preaching, maybe. But, you know, driving a car, operating machinery, um, we're just better off if we know some things. Sometimes we ask people, are you comfortable with so-and-so? Um, what we mean is that, you know, are you knowledgeable in respect to what you're needing to do? Is this a possibility that this applies also to the word of God? I'm just asking that. Does our knowledge of the word of God increase our comfort zone with what we see? The word of God should always bring comfort in some respect to the child of God. Second Timothy 3.15 And that from a child thou hast known or learned, you could say the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus." Here we see some benefits of knowledge and what that brings to us. First, the learning brings us wisdom. He's able to make thee wise. What about salvation? It brings us into salvation, brings us into faith. It brings us into Jesus Christ. All these things are advantages, you could say, or even more than just an advantage. They are necessities that we need. They are of utmost importance. Learning. It contributes to the comfort of the scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15, study or learn to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Does the prospect of meeting God's approval, does that give us comfort? Did we know that was a possibility? (laughs) Yes, we did, but... Sometimes we think that it's harder than that. Study to show thyself approved unto God. We can meet God's approval. This is not an impossible thing. It should bring a comfort to our soul. Thinking of The wonder of scripture, the diversity of scripture, the possibility for in-depth discovery. Psalm 19, 18, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Wondrous things out of thy law. I get the idea of someone who is pursuing and conducts a diligent search And it might not even be a professional. This can come around through amateurs who discover, say, a a vein of gold. Something valuable, a hidden treasure. Many, maybe a scuba diver who discovers sunken treasure. We talked about scuba diving in our Sunday school this morning. Let's apply that to the word of God. Let's make diligent search of the truth that is there for us. We also have the aspect of patience. We're written for our learning that we through patience, we we enjoy the blessing of the comfort. What is the patience all about? I think this verse speaks to the necessity of it. To bring the comforts of Scripture to fruition in our lives, we will have to exercise some patience and this doesn't necessarily mean waiting. It can mean more like endurance. Romans 12, 12, patient in tribulation. We may not always get instant results with what we think needs to happen, even when we're doing the right thing. Even when we're doing the right thing. Turn to James 5, verse 11. James 5, verse 11 be Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Aren't those comforting verses to you? Now this goes back to the affliction of the righteous. (laughs) Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Isn't it a comfort to know in our affliction, whatever we're going through, that others have gone through a similar thing or even the same thing. This was one of Elijah's complaints to God. Elijah said, Israel has forsaken thy covenants. They have cast down the altars. They have slain the prophets with the sword. And he said, I, even I only... Am left and they seek my life. Isn't that our human tendency to think that we're the only ones we're we're by ourselves We're alone I felt that way There's a song I've heard and I don't know it too good But the title of it is nobody has seen the trouble I've seen nobody knows the trouble I've seen That is our tendency to think that. It might not be true, but we can take comfort in the fact that somebody walked that road. And I believe that's one of the most valuable attributes of scriptures is the stories, the accounts of of people and the examples of persons that we can relate to that say they went through that situation. there's a couple of examples that came to my mind and I might mention some of these that I can identify with of people that said things to God and they weren't necessarily nice things (laughs) but Cain said my punishment is too hard for me he said that to God he had the audacity to tell God my punishment is too hard for me when he had killed his brother. And maybe it's not a punishment that's too hard for us, but maybe it's something else that we're going through that we say it's too hard for me. And what did God do? He, in spite of Cain, he made an adjustment to that situation that, that um, spoke of his care and concern for Cain in spite of the fact that he had murdered his brother. We we may not always be totally on the right, right track, but God still hears our prayer. He hears our heart cry. And he will attend unto our prayer, I believe, in many of those situations. Abraham was told to leave his country, his kindred, all his father's house, go into another land. And Hebrews says, Abraham obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Seventy-five years old. Maybe that's how you felt. You were on a road to nowhere. Are there situations like that that God calls us to? Do we feel like we're in Abraham leaving all these things to do maybe not even what we know because God is calling us? Again, it's a comfort. It's a comfort to know that others have gone through that. And we can see the hand of God on their lives. We can see their joys and their sorrows in that journey that they take. And we can say, yes, it is worth it. It is worth it. We will count the cost. We will go through. We will overcome. There is an example of Moses that I'd like to refer to yet. Exodus chapter 5. As we know, Moses was called of God to go speak to Pharaoh. He voiced many excuses, reasons why this wasn't going to work. In fact, Moses said, Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. And when Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, that's exactly what happened. Pharaoh didn't listen to them. After all that work to get Moses to that place, and then Pharaoh didn't listen, and it actually made things worse. It brought some difficulties to that situation, and Pharaoh increased the burdens and the afflictions of the children of Israel. Might you think that Moses was a little bit upset at God by that time? And he was. Exodus 5, 23. And this comes across to me as pretty strong. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Have you ever felt that way about something you engaged yourself in? with the best of your interests and didn't work out you just had to say this isn't working and yet you felt like this was the call of God well i think that type of thing happens a lot in the life of God's people let's look at one more aspect of Romans 15 verse 4 our text verse that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. I want to talk a little bit about hope. It's one of the big three, faith, hope, and charity. We think of faith and love and charity. Those are the big ones, but hope is in there as well. On a natural level, I think the, the quality of hope or the, the attribute of hope is a diminishing quality in our world today, especially among those who know not God. It's a very important part of our human Christian experience. Let's go forward a couple verses to Romans 15, verse 13. Now, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hebrews 3, 14, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Now, the wicked, sometimes they have a false hope because the Proverbs talks about the wicked man dieth. They have an expectation that dies with them. There is a way that seemeth right unto the ungodly but their hope was not rooted and grounded in the truth. It did not have a sure foundation. We sing that song, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We talked about the helmet of salvation this morning. Here it speaks about the helmet being the hope of salvation. And 1 John 3, verse 3: every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Hope produces change, it produces intentional living, it produces the assurance we need when times of doubt come our way. I'd like to look at one more reference and that is 1st Thessalonians. Okay, some of these are hard to find because they're so short. 1st Thessalonians 4, verse 15 through 18, for this we say unto you Verse 18, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The word of God assumes that the coming of Christ brings comfort to our hearts and souls. If that is not the case, then I think it may be time to ask ourselves, what does give us comfort? What is our comfort? might be time to take inventory of where our hopes and dreams are in this life. I was blessed by something I saw two days ago. Um, Someone I don't know, but he posted this on social media. He said, I'm no longer looking for the signs of the times. I'm listening for the sound of the trumpet. And that blessed me. So the comfort of the scriptures, it's even part of the expectation we have in the return of Christ. So may our sufficiency be in Christ and in his word. May we be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord.